Amen. I want you to open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to look at the bulk of Scripture there. But actually, the, for the title, I'm going to take that from 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. 1 John 5, verse 4. That's before 2 and 3 John. Don't get the wrong John. It's bad when you get the wrong John, you know. Y'all will get that after a while. But uh, put, put your, open to 1 Samuel chapter 17. You know, this is 2017, and we, we talked at the beginning of the year that 17 is a number of complete victory. So we're going to look at chapter 17 of 1 Samuel and look at some complete victory strategies today. And it says in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, it says, This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. I want to talk to you today about faith is the victory. Faith is the victory. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, we find the story of David and Goliath. Very familiar story. It really begins in chapter 16, because in chapter 16 is where the prophet Samuel comes, and God tells him to go to the house of Jesse and to anoint the next king of Israel. Saul had fallen out, and God had said he was going to remove it from him. And so when he goes to Jesse's house there in chapter 16... He goes through and he starts out and he says, um, he, he's going to start to anoint. So the first one come in and he says, oh, surely this must be the king. And God said, hey, he's not the king. And, and so the second one comes, oh, this must be the king. He's tall, looks good. No, he's not the king. Went down to seven sons. So he asked Jesse, Samuel asked Jesse, he said, do you have, are there any more sons? He didn't say, do you have any more sons? He said, are there any more lads? Or any more lads, basically. And he said, well, the little one out watching the sheep. He said, well, go get him. So you know, they, that's quite a little journey. He says, and we'll stand until he comes. Now, this is an interesting point because uh, we don't really find in, our, in, in the Bible David's background very much. We find out who his mother was, his father. But if you read the Psalms, you'll find out, like in Psalm 69, where he talks about that he was scorned and that, um, you know, his food was put, and they put stuff in his food to make it bitter and all kinds of stuff, and he was shunned, uh, shunned and neglected. You know, when, if you honored a son, you wouldn't send him out to the field. Remember Joseph and, uh, and uh, Jacob's son or Israel's son, uh, Joseph? He wouldn't send him out. He kept him close because he didn't want, you know, there was danger out there. But, you know, they sent David way out where there was lions and bears and all kinds of stuff. He tells us that he killed a lion and a bear. Uh, what had happened, and you find it in, in the Jewish writings, that uh, Jesse had this thing. He, uh, he was, you know... Ruth was his grandmother, and she was a Moabite, and Boaz married her, and so uh, he had a, an Israelite marrying a Moab, uh, Moabite, and the woman could convert to, to uh, the Jewish religion, but if you were a male Moabite, uh, you couldn't. You couldn't marry into the, to, you could marry a Jewish woman or whatever, and so, you know, I think the devil was really playing with Jesse a little bit. He got to doubting whether or not he was really, truly a Jew, and, and about his lineage, and he was thinking, you know, in the town there in Bethlehem, he was uh, one of the main guys, and reading the Torah and sharing, and he was proud of his sons and different things, but he was, you know, the devil was messing with him, and he got thinking, well, you know, I'm not a pure Jew, and so he was, went through this, and so he stopped having relationships with his wife and, and, um, for several years, and, and so he finally decided, hey, I know what I'll do. I'll take uh, my wife's handmaiden, uh, she's a Canaanite, and so, because I, I want to preserve uh, an offspring, and if, if uh, and so he goes through this whole strategy of stuff he tells her, well, she says, well, wait a minute, uh, what's up with that, and she really likes uh, uh, her, her 
uh, like David's mom, which is, uh, what's her name? Uh, oh, I uh, can't think of it right now, but anyway. So she tells her what's going on, and they get this plan. They say, well, let's do like your ancestors did, what Laban did with Leah and Rachel, and uh, we'll swap out. And you come into the, into the tent tonight, and you know, they didn't have any electricity or stuff. I guess it must have been real dark, couldn't tell the difference. And so that's exactly what David's mom did. And uh, sure enough, she got pregnant with, with David. But everybody thought that she'd had an extramarital affair and that this was an illegitimate child. In fact, in Psalm 69, when David says, I was a stranger to my family, that word stranger in the Jewish context actually means a bastard. He was an illegitimate child. And so she never said anything because it would have revealed her husband's plan, Jesse's plan, to go about with the handmaid and all this stuff. So she kept silent. So with that, everybody just had David as an outcast. You know, we don't really think about that. We think David, oh, King David, he was, you know, born with a silver spoon in his mouth, and he was just always, you know, great and all this stuff. No, he was shunned, neglected, pushed aside, never recognized. And even in the town, in fact, you read in the last part of, of the 69th Psalm, he says, when anything was stolen, they blamed it on me. When anything went wrong, they blamed it on me. And he says, you know, they seek to, to kill me. They, and all this stuff. And, and, you know, when you read through the Psalms, he's saying, you know, Lord, the, all those that rise up against me, they hate me, and they still had this hatred toward him. And so, he was kind of this outcast. So when they brought him in, you know, this was God's plan that, you know, um, Samuel could have went to where David was. God could have sent him out there in the field and, and where David was, but nobody would have known that, that he was anointed king. So he brought him to the house and Samuel anointed him in front of all of his brothers and his, the household that was there and some of the elders of the city. So they all saw that Samuel anointed him as king. So now then, you know, they're kind of wondering, the brothers are still kind of upset and jealous and so David's anointed as king, but it's, it's a long time before he ever gets on the throne, sits on the throne to rule. Let me just tell you this. Let's parallel this a little bit. Let's sidewalk this a little bit. You and I were outcasts. We didn't seem like part of the family. But God brought us near, and he saved us, and he anointed us. But a lot of times between the time that, of salvation or anointing or bringing us in, it's a long time before we actually get to sit on the throne. But sometimes we want everything to change just like this. You know, well, you know, uh, nothing's, it's, everything's going wrong. Everything's bad. And, and God says, don't worry about it. I'm equipping you. I'm training you. In fact, everything that happens in your life is going to help you on down the road. And so in chapter 17, we find that David, he's still the gopher. You know, he has to go for this and go for that. And uh, so his dad calls him in and he says, okay, get this meal and, and all this cheese and load it up in a wagon and you take it to where the army is and take it to your brothers and give it to them. You know, back then you had to supply your own food and actually maybe take care of your fellow soldier if they didn't have anything. So David takes all this and as he's going up there, he discovers that uh, everybody's gathered out here on the field and in this valley here is, um, this is it's about a, a half mile wide and in the middle there's a, little, a stream that goes through. It's about 10 foot deep and about 20 foot wide. But they wouldn't cross over because they would be very vulnerable to their enemy. So they're kind of the standoff. And every day, Goliath would come out, and he'd shout, and he'd challenge, you know. And he says, let your champion fight me. I'm the champion. Whoever wins, I'm paraphrasing all this, said, then the other will be servant. You know, you'll be our servants, or we'll be your servants, whoever wins. So send out a man to, to challenge me. Boy, everybody, nobody would go out. Everybody was afraid. And so when David pulls up, he hears Goliath saying all this stuff. And so he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that would come against the armies of God? Now, something that they'd always said was, you know, he's challenging the armies of, of Saul, the armies of Saul. And everybody's, oh, there's nobody in the army of Saul that can do this. And they always referred to the army of Saul, 
But David, we always referred to the army of God. His look was different. It was, he had changed some things. And so he said, well, let me ask you this. What, uh, and, and they were talking about the thing. I said, well, you know, Saul said that anybody that, um, who can kill him, they can marry my, my, my daughter, and uh, they won't have to pay taxes. Their family won't have to pay taxes anymore, and so it's going to be a great deal. Well, this was a big deal because you change your, your standing, your social status from whoever you are now into royalty, and you're guaranteed a place in royalty, at least to be a courtier in the, in the palace. And so Dave says, oh, that's cool. So he says, you know what? I can, I can fight this guy. And about that time, his brother comes up and starts, so what are you doing here? You know, I figured that you'd be down here and start just mouthing to him like he always does because they always ridicule David. And so here we have this setting, this story taking place where David is going to go out and fight Goliath. Let me just tell you this. You'll always have a Goliath before your next promotion, before your next step up of God. See, David was anointed king, but he had to go through Goliath before he could take that next step of ruling and reigning. Things had to change. He couldn't stay where he was. He had to move on up. We're not to be stationary in our Christian life. We're to come from here to where God wants us. God sees us down here, but we got to get there. And so the big thing was everybody saw Goliath as, a, as opposition, as an obstacle that they couldn't get through. David saw Goliath as an opportunity. And this is a big deal. People, if we're going to walk in complete victory, you can't shy away and back down from obstacles where everybody thinks this is an obstacle and everybody tells you that you can't do it. You have to see it as an opportunity to, take, to go to the next level with God. Amen? Are you following? Now, that's easy to say. It's real hard to do. It's hard to walk out there. It's easy to sit back and say, well, I can take him on, you know, big mouth, big foot, whatever. You know, what's up with that? But when you get out there and then you're standing there and this guy's nine foot nine... Our doors back there are nine foot, so you go out nine inches higher than that, and that's a big guy, big guy, okay? It's about, uh, well, probably about halfway up on that header there would be where nine foot nine is, so just to give you an idea, and, you know, halfway up into that, that, that thing there. So, big man, and so, you know, is David going to back that up? What's going on? Well, let's take a look at this, and I want us to look at some things through here. Faith, uh, faith is the victory that we it's how we get to the victory. And the whole summary, this whole story is that God gives victory in response to our faith. We have to have that faith. Now, faith comes by hearing, hearing from his word. And we talked about some elements of activating our faith and that through prayer and through hope and then faith and then praise. So faith is what takes you out on that battlefield to face the giants in your life that's trying to hinder you from your next step up with God. How many are ready to go to a higher level? Ready to go to a next level. I believe this is the year when we're going, we're going up. And on this, we're going to see a contrast here. The very first thing is that, humanly speaking, there was a, a great contrast between David and Goliath, obviously. Not just in stature, you know. Look at uh, verse 4 in 1 Samuel chapter 17. A champion, and I'm reading from the New International Version. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. That's about 125 pounds. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and, it, uh, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Now this is describing... Goliath, who he is. Now let's look on at verse 41. Skip way on over to verse 41. 
And let's, let's see the contrast here. Chapter 17, 1 Samuel, verse 41. Meanwhile, I like that. Meanwhile, the Philistine uh, with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked at David, uh, he looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome. Uh, some think he was about 15 years old. And, that he despi- and he despised him. And David said, well, get in line. Everybody else in my life despises me. And he said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Now, Goliath was uh, uh, great physical strength. He was trained warrior. He was, uh, had powerful armor. Uh, you know, he, he trained every day. He trained for battle and for fighting. David didn't. You know, here's little old David. He's just a youth. He's a shepherd boy. He'd never been uh, in a battle before in his life. You know, it appeared to, a, a total mismatch. And that's what we always think about David and Goliath, the total mismatch. The contrast here is great. And David had no chance of defeating Goliath. And uh, in fact, nobody believed that uh, David would defeat Goliath. They thought this is a joke. Nobody thought of it. It just looked completely mismatched. And, and uh, you know, in our lives, we face challenges which appear to be so overwhelming that um, you know, we may feel that we are no match against this such great odds. I don't know if you've ever had anything like that happen to you or not. You know, something will happen, come at you, and you think, oh my goodness, you know, this is just way beyond me, way beyond my ability. My, uh, you know, my finances or my strength or my emotional makeup, this is just too much. This is way over. There's no way I can get past this. If you haven't had any giants in your life, you will have giants in your life. Amen? How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so it was a total mismatch. And we're going to have things like that happen in our life, that we come up against opposition that is just seems totally overwhelming. There's no way that we could ever make it through. But we need to change and be like David and say, this is not op- opposition. This is an opportunity. This is an opportunity. Because see, remember there in First Chronicles 20, verse 17, you'll not have to fight this battle. You just show up. See, so David says, I just need to go out. He says, I'm not really doing this. God's doing it. It's not about me and Goliath. I mean, he's cursing my God with his gods. That's what we just read. This is about, you know, his gods and my God, and my God's going to win. You know, the victory of David over Goliath, it should really, it ought to give us some inspiration, uh, give us some confidence that... uh, the battles that we're going to face, that when we begin to, when we apply the same things that David did, that we can have confidence and assurance as well. Because it's not in our strength, not in our ability. Say, it's not me. It's God. Say, it's not me. Tell your neighbor, it's not me. It's God. And here's the thing, the greater the battle, the more glorious the victory. Right? Now look, the next thing here is not only was there such an extreme contrast, but let's look at courage that, that we find in this story. David had absolutely no fear of Goliath, Goliath when, when everybody else was uh, totally terrified of him. Back up to verse 8. It says, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Here again. Servants of Saul, servants of Saul. He's always looking at it in man's... Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. And when he's saying that, he's defying God. 
Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Terrified. I mean, they were, so, they were fearful. Look at verse 23. Go to verse 23. It says, now this is talking about David. It says, as he was talking with them, as David was talking to these, Goliath, the Philistine champion uh, from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. No courage at all. Courage is an act of one's beliefs despite danger or disapproval. Courage is, is knowing what you really believe, being assured of that complete trust and, and stepping out. The entire Israeli army, including King Saul, they were all terrified at Goliath. I mean, they saw something that they saw an opponent that there was no way to defeat. When David confronted Goliath, he had no fear. Because he realized that Goliath was, was actually not defying him or even the armies of Israel, but Goliath was defying the living God. You know, a, a man who is not afraid of, to die has incredible power and courage. What are you going to do? What else can you do? He wasn't afraid to die, but he put his confident assurance in God. And uh, David was so confident that God would protect him and his, that, and his reputation and uh, knew that God was equipping him and sustaining him. And so, he, you know, he, he told Saul, he says, well, I killed a lion and a bear. I mean, you know, and he says, and this, this uncircumcised Philistine is no much, not much different than them, you know? As like I've said before, people saw him too big to, to kill. David saw, just saw that someone too big to miss. And uh, so, you know, we should be faithful and, and fearless not fearful and faithless. We need to be faithful, full of faith, and no fear at all in our lives to be able to walk with the Lord so that when opposition comes, we don't back down by what we see. We look beyond the opposition, and we see God and all his possibilities. See God. You know, David saw this was against Goliath and God, and when he saw the difference there, it was a far greater contrast than what the others were seeing with Goliath and David. David said, he's no match for our God. The only one that was able to defeat Goliath was the one who had no fear in him, and David had no fear. You need to get rid of your fear. Fear, if you spell it out, F-E-A-R, that means false evidence is appearing real. Satan tries to bring these things into your path to get you to get sidetracked and look at them. And the more you look at them, you get nervous and you worry and you begin to associate these things and you play, play them around in your mind and, uh, uh, and you begin to see fear succeeding. David didn't have any fear. He had faith and he saw God winning. He saw God conquering. There's an old saying that you can't stop the thoughts from coming into your mind but, he's, but one guy said, but I can stop, or you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest. Same way, you can't stop thoughts from coming, but you don't have to dwell on those thoughts. You can get rid of them. And when, you, uh, uh, when they come in and it's, and it's producing fear or doubt or disbelief, that's when you get, get rid of them. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, he says, I can do all things. I can do anything. I can do everything. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's how we can have our confidence is knowing that we can do all things through Christ that gives us strength. 
Paul writes to the Ephesians in chapter 3, verse 20. He says, now to him who is able, him who is able to do immeasurably more. He said, exceedingly, abundantly. He's using some superlatives here, back to back. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or think according to the power that is at work within us the power which is faith that's working in us, then we know that he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we're able to ask or think. And it says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. He said, that's who's going to get the praise and the glory. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ever ask or think. And it's according to the power that is at work within us. He said, well, I just, you know, God never shows himself strong to me. Well, what power is working inside of you? He can only be as strong and as powerful to you as you believe him to be. Hallelujah. That got real quiet. Lord, you didn't say it'd be this quiet this morning. Back to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 25. Now the Israelites had had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in israel david asked the men standing near what will be done for the man who kills the philistine and removes this disgrace from israel who is this uncircumcised philistine that he should defy the armies of the living god you see how david changed it because he knew wait a minute you don't defy the armies of the living god and and what's going to be done for him i mean it, it really it's like well really shouldn't be anything I mean, this ought to just be our everyday nature is just to get rid of anybody that's defying God or the armies of the living God. And they said, oh, he's going to, you know, he's going to bless him. Let me tell you something. Your blessings are right in front of you. When we step out fearless with the courage uh, to, to, to take that next opportunity that God puts in front of us, then blessings are there. We start moving into blessings. You want to start moving into your blessings? Then don't worry about the Goliath. Take him out, and you're going to step into your blessings, and you're heading towards your destiny. Amen. Somebody ought to say amen. Be a good place to shout right there. Amen. So, so David didn't see Goliath as an obstacle. Again, he saw him as an opportunity. In our lives, we should be so strong in faith, expecting uh, the victory in our battles. Not, I hope I, hope I win. I hope, hope God shows up. Not any of this like, wishful thinking. We ought to have no doubt that God's going to show up, that, God's, that, that victory is coming, complete victory. And we can't allow doubt and unbelief to rob us of the victory uh, and our destiny, what God's called us to. But Satan comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. He doesn't want us stepping into our destiny. You've got to go through some giants to get to your destiny. Now, how do you like that? So, really? You mean, you know, God, doesn't God love me? Yes, he does. Well, well, can't he just give me my, my, my purpose, my destiny? Yeah, he's handing it to you. And, and don't worry about giants. Don't worry about mountains. Don't worry about Red Seas. Don't worry about overflooded Jordan rivers. I mean, those are all things. Yeah, they're, they're not really obstacles. They're just opportunities of stepping in to your next level with God. We ought to consider all these challenges as blessings in disguise that we're stepping up because as soon as that happened, he was blessed. If you look at it, boy, since I've been preaching this series the last three weeks at the turn of this, this new year, it, it get, it, each week gets more intense. More opposition comes. It gets more intense. That's okay. I'm laughing and said, oh, boy, then, then there's some really good blessings. I'm excited. 
This is my 40th year of ministry. 40 years is a, is a, is a time thing. It's like it's a trial. It's a testing. You look at 40 days and several, all throughout the Bible, you know, it was like after that, then things happened. And the, or 40 years after that, things happened. I'm expecting big things this year. I don't know about you. Amen. Amen. I'm ready to step in to our next level of blessings. Amen. We've got to look forward to the blessings that, that we uh, would receive as a result of overcoming these challenges, just like David. Oh, I'm going to get blessings on top of this. I'm just doing my job, but I'm going to get blessed on top of this. Hallelujah. Instead of losing hope and getting discouraged when we face these trials of our life, we ought to just say, you know what? We ought to take a step back and say, all right, praise God. God, there's nothing too difficult for you. Well, here's another thing that David did. Not only was he confident, he didn't have any doubt, but he had to deal with comments. You ever have to do that? You ever have to deal with comments? By the time you start to set your face to do what God wants you to do, then here it comes. Verse 28 there of Samuel 17, you know, David didn't allow the negative comments of his brother or King Saul to discourage him. Verse 28, it says, when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Every time I'd read that, I was like, what's up with Eliab? I mean, wow, man, he just goes off on David. What's up? You know, I mean, why is he upset with David? You know, we didn't, I never really realized the, the position and the standing that David had in the family. And, you know, he was already mad at him because Samuel passed over all seven of them and, and anointed David as king. Oh, Eliab, he was like, you know, what's up with this? And he said, you know what, you're just rotten, and he, he could never get past that. You know, that, those wounds, those words hurt David. You can read in the Psalms where it pierced his heart, but he had to throw those things off. He couldn't let those comments come from his brother. A lot of times those that are closest to you will be the ones that hurt you. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Verse 33, here's what Saul says. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. What, what do you mean? You're not able to go out and fight him. Here you go. You're all excited. And you're, man, you're ready. You're keyed up. You're ready to, to go with God. And somebody, first thing they'll say, well, you can't do that. What's up? What, what makes you think you can do that? You're too short. You're too tall. You're too fat. You're too skinny. You're too ugly. You're too pretty. You know, you're, whatever it is, there's something, some reason why that, you know, you're too young. You're too old. Something, some reason why. Well, you can't do that. Everybody starts telling him he can't do that. And he says, um, he says, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy, and he has been fighting. He's been a fighting man from his youth. This is a, a champion here. You're just a shepherd boy. Wow. You know, David didn't allow people to rob him of his destiny. You can't allow people to rob you of your destiny. You're getting ready to take a step into your destiny. You know what? When people start telling you what you can't, just look at God and realize why you can I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. It's not in me anyway. It's in him. In him we live and move and have our being. If God calls you to it, he can equip you to get it. Amen? Hallelujah. So, you know, even in our lives, we should not allow other people just to rob us of our blessings, you know, through their unbelief. Don't let their unbelief sink into you, their jealousy, their negative words. You know, we've got to ignore those negative voices and we've got to press on to fulfill our destiny we got too much to win to lose anybody can set back anybody can turn around and run but it takes a champion to stand and fight god says you know what i, I that's what i want is champions 
Amen. You know, we can't expect everybody to rejoice in our progress, in our prosperity. You think everybody's going to be excited because you, you're getting ahead? You know, you're going to make somebody mad. You know, they're going to wonder what they did. Because if they're not getting blessed and, you're getting, and you are, they're going to be mad at you. They're going to be jealous of you. And they're going to have all kinds of things to say about you. But you can't listen to that stuff, amen? You just got to give it to God. Say, you know, God, I thank you. You did it. I didn't do it anyway. I don't deserve it. But thank you for the blessing. Hallelujah. David, just as David faced Goliath without any encouragement from anybody, nobody encouraged him to go out there. We've got to be willing to face our challenges alone with, our, with just our faith in God and go out and get the victory. See the victory. People will see it, you know. David, because of his faithfulness and his obedience, he saved the whole nation that day. Well, then also, let's take a look at confession out here. You know, every word that David spoke when he was facing Goliath was a positive confession of certain victory. He was certain of the victory. He didn't waver in his faith. How many times have we heard the Bible say that? You know, that was said about Abraham, not wavering in his faith. And here he goes on. We can't waver in our faith. Verse 34 through 37 there, 1 Samuel 17. But David, everybody say, but David. Are you there? Verse 34. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck, struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair. <laughs> struck it and killed it. Are you getting this? I don't know what kind of bears were coming out there, but I, you know, I haven't really seen any that I'd want to be tangled with. When we were riding our Harley to, to Alaska, we went through Canada. We saw a lot of bear, and there wasn't one I would want to. You know, even them little ones, you know, I don't think I want to be grounded by the hair. <laughs> you know, they got some claws on it. <laughs> and, and he says, I, I, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Because he has defied the armies of the living God. There again, he's looking at it from the perspective that it, the armies of the living God, not Saul's army, not, man, not in the natural, but in the supernatural realm. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. you know, go on and the Lord be with you. You know, God gives victory in response to our faith. God gives victory in response to our faith. What kind of victory are you going to walk in this year? Some of you have some opportunities right now that, that you're facing. You know, they're not obstacles, they're opportunities. And you have an opportunity now to walk in some victory. What degree of victory are you going to walk into? You know, too often, God's people faint at the smallest test. Uh, and when it comes their way, you know, they don't really even realize that, that it's the little tests that are really preparing us for the bigger battles that are, they're, they're certain to come. It's like David, he said, you know, I killed the lion, I killed the bear, that's just preparing me for Goliath. Well, look back and say, you know, what did, what did God do here? And all these things that come into our life, they are preparing us and equipping us for the next obstacle that we're going to look at, the next opportunity that we're going to have. Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5. I like this passage of Scripture. If you turn there uh, and get it, if not, just hang on in 1 Samuel and I'll read it to you. Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5 says, If you have raced with men on foot and, and they've worn you out, 
How can you compete with the horses? <laughs> if you've raced with men and they wore you out, how do you expect to run with the horses? You know? What's that song about or saying about the big dogs? If you can't run with the big dogs, you know, don't get off the porch. You know, I mean, that's kind of what Jeremiah is saying here. If you stumble, he goes on to say, if you stumble in safe country, how will you manage in the thickets of the Jordan? If you can't even walk through the, you know, just through the regular pathway, how are you going to get through the thickets and through the tough time? What's up with that? When you're trained in military, you know, they try to put you through the toughest thing that they can design for you. But even that is not like actually being in combat. And they say, you know, if you can't handle this, what do you, how do you think you're going to make it out here? And that's what Jeremiah is saying. And so David said, you know what? All these things have equipped me and prepared me. When it came my way, I took care of it. I handled it. He, he, he wasn't just saying, oh, man, I'm too tired. I got to sit down. I'll wait to a big task. Sometimes we just, you know, we don't think it's worth our effort. We just sit down and get discouraged and defeated. Like, well, God, why is this happening to me? You know, God doesn't bring it, but he allows it. Because he knows that that will strengthen us and it'll, it'll uh, toughen us and it'll prove us that when we have to face the next opportunity, the next giant, that we'll, we can look back and say, well, you know what, I've handled this. God has helped me in these, uh, these areas like this. Surely he's going to help me here. David confessed God's faithfulness both in the past and also in the present situation, what he was getting ready to face. That's what we need to learn from that. He said, you know what, God's been faithful back here. He's going to be faithful now. He's the same, but he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He helped me here, he'll help me now, and he'll help me then. That needs to be our confession, the confession of our faith. Faith is the thing, is, is the victory. Faith is what gives us the victory. And he looked back and he saw the, the past battles and, and he just was reminded, you know, God strengthened me. He, he, man, he, was, he enabled me to, to kill him. Even when it, it didn't kill him, you know, when that stone, when my slingshot didn't kill it, I went and grabbed it by the hair and just and, and struck it and killed it. Everything that David spoke was positive, was filled with faith and confidence in God. He never let his confession, you know, come down to their level. Faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word. He had to speak the word to himself. You know, there was later other times when David led several, about 600 men and they came back and all their camp there where they were staying, uh, the enemy had come in and captured all of them. And, and they were ready to stone David and said, and David had to stir himself up. Everybody was, was saying, you know, what kind of leader are you? And look at this. And now our, our families are gone. Our wives, our children are gone. They've taken everything we have. We're gonna, it's your fault. We're going to stone you. And, and everybody was talking against David. But you know what? He was kind of used to that when he was out in the, in the pasture watching the sheep. Everybody in town, everybody was talking against him. So he says, you know what? I've had to stir myself up all my life. I'll stir myself up now. And he looked at it as a positive thing, not a negative thing. Oh, everybody's against me. They all hate me. They want to kill me. I guess I'll just go out there and let them kill me. Go ahead and stone me. He didn't go out that, like that. He remained the captain of that, of that army and boy, they went and they captured those and they got, they, they returned the spoils and got the families back. And all his words focused upon the power of God. And so we've got to remember that, we've got to remember all the victories, what we've come through, everything that God has done for us in the past, he equips us for the future. Now then, we got all that and we're ready. We've maintained confidence. We don't worry about the contrast, you know, and we're strong. We got courage in the Lord and, and our confession is right and, and that's all well and good. But now it's time to get out there to the contest. Time to step out and go do it. You know, sometimes people talk a good talk, but they can't walk the walk. 
when we lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the buckle on the Bible Belt, Rama Bible Institute was there, and several of the Rama students would come to our church. And man, I mean, it was just, it was a positive, they drilled it into them positive confession, positive confession. And then they were always talking big, and which is good, that's well. Well, we went and did a missionary trip to Mexico to go way on the other side, about four hours south of Mexico City, way down in the interior. And so uh, a couple of these guys that went with me, uh, they were both Hispanic, and, and, which was good for the language and everything, but uh, Rama students. And so, boy, we started getting down, we started having some problems. We, uh, getting on down, we're having automobile problems, and we're having all kinds of problems. And well, this one, oh my goodness, we can't be stranded out here on the mountain road. You know, there, there's bandits around, they're going to get us, and, and uh, there's horrible stories and all this stuff. I said, man, God's with us. We ain't worried about it. We just pushed the car off over here to the side. We'll sleep, get a little rest, and get up. And, oh, we can't do that. You can't, we can't sleep. And I said, well, I can sleep. <laughs> he stayed awake all night long, you know. And all this stuff is just negative stuff, negative stuff. I said, fine. I said, wait a minute. What happened to all that big talk when we were back in Tulsa? You know, we hadn't even got to Texas, let alone Mexico. Well, you're talking big, but boy, where did all that go? Uh, he bailed out on us, and he, he went home. <laughs> he, he didn't even go with us anymore. And we had to go back down and get our vehicle and some other things. And it was so funny, but I thought, you know, you can talk a big talk, and you can act like you got a lot of courage and all this stuff, but it really shows up when you step out there on the battlefield. So the contest is where it's really proven. Faith is not faith until it's tested. We've got to have this attitude, this positive attitude. We've got to have our eyes on the Lord. We, have, we, don't have to, we can't worry about how big something is and whatever. And we've got to have, have all that, but the thing is, is that faith without works is dead. You've got to step out. Verse 45 Look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45. David said to the Philistine, he got out there and he began to speak to his mountain. He began to speak to his problem. He began to speak to, to Goliath. He says, you come against me with a sword and spear and javelin, but I, I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, it says that David went down and he got five smooth stones. And I know that Goliath, you know, it, it, they say that Goliath had four other brothers, and we find out later on in David's life that some of his mighty men went out and killed them too. You know, I kind of think that David says, you know what, I'm going to take you out, Bubba, and I'm going to take out your brothers too. They come on down here, I got, I got a stone for every one of them. He wasn't planning on missing. Uh, we used to go deer hunting, and it said one shot. <laughs> one shot, one kill. And, and so David, he's in one shot, one kill. I'm ready for the others. But, you know, then I heard it another way that he took five stones. He says, I, I come against you in the name, J-E-S-U-S. He said, I'm coming against you in the name of Jesus, the Lord God Almighty. Oh, y'all ain't getting this. I don't know where you, what y'all came to do today, but I came to have church today. Well, I came to get excited about whatever opposition that I'm coming against. It's got to fall in Jesus' name. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall. Oh, come on. Y'all ain't getting any of this. Are you hearing what David did? He says, he says, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. All I got is this rag tied to these strings here and a stone in it. And I'm going to take you out, big, big boy. He says, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the ar armies of Israel. He didn't have Saul's name wasn't mentioned there. Nobody else's name was mentioned there. But the Lord God Almighty. He says, whom you have defied. Said, man, you messed up. You messing with the wrong man. You messing with God, and I'm His agent. God likes to take the small things and, and confound the minds of the wise. He takes the foolish things and confound the minds of the wise. Hallelujah, 
Hallelujah. <laughs> how many of you here got a testimony how God did, took something that was totally, you know, didn't look like it was even possible and worked out a miracle and everybody says, I don't know how that happened. I, don't, I can't figure that out a bit. I love it when doctors scratch their heads and say, well, I don't know. I don't know. One doctor told me, we just, I got an MRI from five days ago showing this, all these pits and stuff in your hip cavity, all these, and it's, it's, you know, they're all gone now. Oh, praise God for prayer. Prayer works. <laughs> Hallelujah. That one doctor said, well, what? And I told him it was prayer. He said, well, yeah, prayer helps. I said, no, no, doctors help. Prayer works. <laughs> you got it wrong. I thank God for doctors, and they help. Amen. I've been to them. But they help. But prayer works. Prayer does what they cannot do. Amen. So he says, today, this is what David goes on to say. I mean, you know, he's, he's on a roll here. He says, this day, the Lord, who's going to do it? The Lord. Come on, who's going to do it? The Lord. He says, will hand you over to me. <laughs> the Lord's going to hand you over to me. Oh, boy, Bubba. I'll tell you what. <laughs> That's, you're in some, some bad hands when he gives you into me. He says, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. <laughs> oh, look. Here's little David. And he's like, what? Goliath says, what? What's up with this? What? Yeah, I'm really nervous is what, what Goliath's saying. He says, today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army. I was, I'm not just stopping with you, Goliath. He says, I'm talking beyond Goliath. I'm talking to this army back there too. <laughs> I remember seeing this cartoon. It was, uh, I don't know if it's like this little uh, puppy watchdog. And this cat had been giving him some problems. And I think it was like a, uh, or... I don't know what, what the deal was. But anyway, and so come out, and so he runs out there, and he's just a little tiny. He's just bop, 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 just getting Well, daddy's back behind him, standing like that. And, and the, the cat that's out in front was just getting ready to hit him, goes, backs up. Boy, that little puppy thinks, yeah, I'm bad. I'm bad. <laughs> Let me tell you something. David was out there like that little puppy, and I'm going to give your carcass to the Philistines. And God's standing back there. Yeah, what he said. <laughs> don't you mess with him. <laughs> Whew. The whole, and, and he goes on, he says, the Philistine army, to the birds of the air and the beasts of the, earth, of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. How many times do you think this story's been told? How many times do you think this story's been told? David prophesied, then he says, and the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. Man, it's going to be told over and over and over and over. They even compare football games uh, to David and Goliath. This is a David and Goliath. He says, and he goes on to say, all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. Say, the battle is the Lord's. Tell three people, the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. And he will give all of you, all of you into our hands. Wow. Now you talk about getting riled up with some faith now. He went beyond Goliath, and he's talking to the whole army. Where's Jonathan? Jonathan and his armor bearer, you know, a few chapters earlier, they climbed up this hill, went in there and took out a, a, a regiment of, of Philistines, you know, one sword. Why didn't he go out against Goliath? I'm telling you, these guys were, it was a big deal. They were nervous. Davis walks out there. Not only am I going to take you out, he's talking beyond Goliath. He said, every demon in hell is going to tremble. We'll take you all out here, he says. 
And all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. And David said, our hands. And I think he's trying to get some of those fearful Israelites stirred up just a little bit too. David didn't fight in the human dimensions. It wasn't on that battlefield so much that David was fighting on, but he knew it was a spiritual realm. Saul, then he goes on to say, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. Hmm. This is down a little ways. He says, uh, he put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on him. This is before he went out. Look at this, what's, what's happening here. It says, and David fastened on his sword over, his, over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. He said, I, can't, I cannot go in these, he, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five sm smooth stones from the stream. He put them in, a, in the pouch of his shepherd's bag. And with the, his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine, verses 38 through 40. You know, that, he was saying, wait a minute, it's not, not by might, no power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. It's not these weapons. The weapons that we fight with are not carnal. They're not of this world, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I, I, I got a slingshot. I got a stick. But that ain't what it's really all about here. It's about God doing this. That's what he's saying. You know, so many times, come on, Christians, we, you know, we faint at the smallest little test that comes our way. And, you know, we don't realize that those things are equipping us and strengthening us for what's ahead. Hallelujah. You know, he just used, David used the simple weapons, a slingshot and five smooth stones. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 Verse 3 through 6 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to, dis to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. All these negative things that people have been speaking and telling us why we can't. We take those captive and say, no, uh -uh, wait a minute. What I know of Christ, what I know of Jesus, what I know of the Messiah is far greater. Don't tell me I can't. He says I can. He says, and we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once you, your obedience is complete. That's what Paul was saying. That's exactly what David was doing. Paul told the, uh, the Corinthians, the first Corinthians, he said, you know, that uh, God chose foolish things of the world to shame the wise or to confound the wise, to shame the wise. Hallelujah. Don't despise the small things, people. In the 44th Psalm, I want to read from verse 4 down. It says, um, the psalmist says, You are my king. This is David writing, You are my king and my God who decrees victories for Jacob. Through you we push back our armies. Through your, your name we trample our foes. I do not trust in my bow. My, my sword does not bring me victory. But you give us victory over our enemies. You put our adversaries to shame. In God we make our boast all day long. And we will praise your name forever. Somebody needs to give him praise today. That's how David was able to say that because he had done it. He had done it. Can you get up and say those things when you're facing you're, you're Goliath, and you will face him. What are you going to do? The 33rd Psalm. I like hearing what David had to say. Man, this guy, I mean, he came from nothing. He came from nothing to king. That's why he was chosen that through him that Jesus Christ would come, who they rejected and despised him as well. The 33rd Psalm, verse 16, 
David writing this, he says, no king is safe is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him or who reverence him, who respect him. On those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death. Come on, say, he's going to deliver me. Say, he's going to deliver me. Come on, shout out. He's going to deliver me. Hallelujah. And keep them alive in famine when everything else looks like it's starving to death. God's going to bless. Hallelujah. Are you getting this? I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but somebody's getting this. Amen. He goes on, verse 20, says, We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. He is our help and our shield. He is our help and our shield. Hallelujah. In Him our hearts rejoice. For we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord. Hallelujah. You ought to get up every morning and read that psalm. And say, all right, now I'm ready to go out and fight the giants. I'm ready. See, David, he, he expected maybe some more to come after him. I think they saw him. What, oh, what happened to Bubba? Ooh. Hey, did you know something else? When that stone hit him, you know, you stand there. He's standing there like this. All Stone hit him. He's probably going to fall back, right, Neil? The Bible says what? He fell on his face. That ain't natural. You hit here, he's going to go, you know, fall back. But you know why he fell on his face? Because it was, he was going to bow to God. It wasn't between, you know, the human thing. It was between his so-called gods and God. And God said, oh, yeah, I'm going to bring you down. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue's going to confess. And you're going to bow this day. You're going to bow this day. <laughs> And David went over and drew that big old sword and he cut off that head and he hung it up and he started saying, hey, we're coming for you! And man, they started running and now the Israelites, they got fired up and here they come and I tell you what, they routed them. So that they ran all the way back to Gath, back to Goliath's hometown. And, and Israel had a tremendous victory that day and David came out the champion. See, in the eyes of everybody else, they were already saying, oh, Goliath is a champion but God was saying, no, here's my champion. I don't know where you come from. You might have had your place where you were shunned and pushed aside and pushed back and despised all your life. Everybody might have told you that there's no way you'll never make it. You don't have the, the intelligence. You don't have the strength. You don't have the this and you don't have the that. But I'm going to tell you what God says about you. He says, all I need from you is faith in me. I'll work the rest of it. I love to take the outcasts, the little shepherds. I like to take those that everybody says can. And I like to work through them because then they know that it's from me. Oh, come on, stand to your feet this morning. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord praise this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Father, I ask that you work in us today that everybody knows that there is a God in heaven that fights for us. Hallelujah. Every weapon that's formed against us shall not succeed. It's not going to reach its intended purpose. Oh, I don't know who's, who this is for this morning, but you need to grab a hold of it because there's some victory in this today. There's some victory in this thing today, not just for right now, but for your future. God said, I'm not, I'm not leaving you here as an outcast, and I'm not just leaving you there anointed or just come, barely coming in to the kingdom. I'm ready to take you on to the next level. Hallelujah. Boy, David's life was never the same after that. You need to look at this opposition that you're facing right now and say, man, my life's about to change for the better. I'll never be the same. I'm never going to be the same. I'm never going to be the same. I'm a champion. I'm a winner. 
I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. Oh, come on. Come on now. Anybody get this today? You can cower back and you can say, you know, I can't do it because of this and I can't because of that. And you can use all these excuses, but excuses are just, uh, you know, they're just used for your, you know, to keep you from pushing on in. One person said excuses are like armpits and everybody's got two of them. But you know what? You don't need to make excuses. You need, your boast ought to be in the Lord. Hallelujah. Man, instead of backing up, you need to march forward. Press in. Press in. Say, I'm trusting God. I'm not going down. Let's bow our heads this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Father, I thank you that there is, there's some victory here today. There's some breakthrough today. There's freedom in this place today. Hallelujah. There's freedom in this place today. Freedom in this place today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You need to make up your mind. You're not going to stay where you are. You know, don't negotiate at the table of the devil. He'll say, well, I'll let you have this. And I'll let you have just a little bit of victory. Don't you be pressing in. You know, don't you be doing this no more. You know, if you're a threat to him, don't negotiate with him. Don't even listen to what he has to say. You listen to what God has to say. God says, I'm taking you out of this. We're to be moving on and moving up until we get caught up. Amen? God says, where you are is fine. And I'm teaching you some things there. And you've come through some things. But I'm about to take you on. Don't you worry about the giant. Hallelujah. You trust in me. You trust in me. Don't worry about the giant. Don't worry about the opposition. Don't listen to the naysayers. Don't listen to those who say you can't. Don't look at the contrast between you and your problem. You, put, you compare your problem to God. <laughs> there's no contrast. There's no, there's no challenge there at all. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. I'm above and not beneath. Hallelujah. You need to talk to yourself and say, come on, champion in me, come out right now. You've got a champion inside of you. Jesus Christ. Almighty God. Oh, they thought he was defeated. They thought they knocked him out on that cross. But oh, no. <laughs> He's just taking a little break. He's about to come back in style. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. There's always a resurrection. I'm sure David sat out there many times tending those sheep thinking, I don't understand this. Why everybody hates me? Why does everybody always accuse me of doing all this stuff? But he, you know what? He, he, would, he began to sing. He learned how to worship God. He was a worshiper. He came in first thing. His first job for Saul was playing the harp and the evil spirits would leave. Because he turned a bad thing into a good thing. He turned a weakness into a strength. He said, though they don't care for me, Lord, I know you care for me, so I'll just worship you. I'm fine being here with you. When all else, everybody turns against you, God's with you. If God be for you, who can be against you? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Nobody's looking around this morning, your heads are bowed. How many of you say, Pastor, i got a giant in front of me right now. Just raise your hand. Amen. Amen. Oh, boy. Lord, now I know why you had me preach this message. I kept saying, oh, no, this is a, this is a Sunday school class lesson. This is a, everybody knows David and Goliath. Yeah, well, you know something? We need to, sometimes we need to hear it again. Let me tell you something. You might seem small in contrast to your problem, your giant, your opposition, but let me tell you, you're looking at your, yourself with your own eyes. God looks to, at you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You're more than a conqueror. When you get through this thing, you still have enough in you to take on the next one. 
more than a conqueror. When you conquer, you're more than a conqueror. So you got enough more to take on something else. Don't worry about it. If you'll have faith and not doubt, press through this thing, God will give you wisdom. He'll give you perseverance. He'll do what you cannot do. You'll come out of this thing a victor. Say, I am a victor. Say, I'm a victor. I'm a victor. I walk in victory. Thanks be to God who gives me the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. I have victory. I have victory. I have victory. I have victory. Come on, shout out. I have victory. Shout out. Victory. 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 Hallelujah. Come on, give praise. Give you about 30 seconds of praise this morning. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, we praise you today. We thank you that nothing is too difficult for you. Forgive us for where we have looked at ourselves and come up short. Help us to look at ourselves and our situation through your eyes. Lord, we are a champion today. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Even our faith. And Lord, our faith is in you. Looking to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, I thank you that you give victory in response to our faith. And so we need to increase in our faith. I challenge you to increase in your faith. Increase in your faith. Get into the word. Worship him. Pray. Look back at where he's given victory. And say, you know what? I'm going forward. I'm not backing up. With every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. If you're here today and you're not sure that you're a child of God, don't walk out of here with uncertainty. You're not sure. Why don't you just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, pray for me because I'm not sure. I'm uncertain about where I'm going to spend eternity. But I want to know that I know that I'm a child of God. Anybody here? Anybody here? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, people, I want to tell you something. I challenge you to go out into all the world into your world, into your specific area, and win the lost. Get somebody saved this, this week. Share the good news with somebody this week. Share something good that God's doing in your life with somebody this week. Let them know that there's a God in heaven, amen, and that there's a God in you, amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you today that we are walking in victory. Lord, stir us up. Stir us up. Stir us up, Father, that we don't see opposition, but we see opportunities. Father, we're going to a new level with you. This year is a year of victory. Hallelujah. We're going to a new level with you. We're walking in greater degrees of victory. Hallelujah. I can be washed, but I can't be drowned. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, all we need is you. We might look at ourselves and think all I got is a little slingshot and a stick. Father, that's more than enough when you're with us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I bind every I can't praise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, loose within each one of our spirits that phrase of I will, I can, I am, Lord, in us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we give you praise right now.